Good morning. It is a uh, clear and bright, sunny Friday, New York City. Your host, Michael Dolce, here on uh, Secrets of the Sire, TalkingAlternative.com. We've got an extremely fun and exciting show to cover today. We are all over the Oscars, um, more specifically certain topics in the Oscars that other outlets might not necessarily be taking a look at. I'm looking at the sci-fi angle. I'm looking at the pop culture angle. I'm also going to dive into the diversity issue again. We, uh, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, and it's definitely something that I would love to touch upon, and how Mad Max is kind of the argument for and against the Oscars So White protest that's going on. Uh, but first, I want to welcome my Periscope, Periscope peeps. We're also broadcasting live on you now for the first time. So if you uh, follow my Twitter handle, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C-E, uh, you could actually find us on you now and you can find us on Periscope. So both of that, just go to my Twitter handle, at Michael underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C-E, uh, not C-H-E. You can't imagine how many times people have actually uh, misspelled that. Um, it is definitely a signature name. It's something that people are kind of familiar with. But at the same time, if you hear me talking, uh, it does sound like I have an H in it. So completely understand. want to give a big shout out to uh, Rockland Music in Nanuet, New York. It's uh, where I am... My home base is located. Uh, they were able to actually get me hooked up on the Periscope feed directly into our broadcast. So you guys get better sound quality when we have guests, which we're going to have a ton of guests next week. You're going to be able to hear it a lot clearer, and it's just a, an overall better show performance. Meanwhile, again, we're on you now as well. It says we are live, so hopefully uh, people are checking us out and liking us or hearting us or doing whatever it is that they do. Secrets of the Sire. It's actually short for Sire. The Sire was a uh, comic book that I write, draw, and create. Um, I didn't draw the entire series. I actually worked with some very talented artists. Talent Caldwell, Tyler Kirkham, um, Dan Leister. These guys are all industry professionals. Jose Holder, Will Torres, um, and um, another artist called Sue Sherpa that I actually also just did the last issue with. So you could check out The Sire on mikebooks.com, M-I-K-E books.com, and on Comixology. You can download all the issues. That's my shameless plug. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by Sports Tech. Sports Tech is the proud sponsor of Secrets of the Sire. Unlock your golf game through the ultimate hands-free golf tool. It can tell you everything you need to know to lower your score and improve your swing. Uh, want to hear more? Want to be part of its creation? Visit their GoFundMe page, gofundme.com slash sportstech, S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-K. Sam, Sam's my engineer, running the show back here. We got Oscars coming up this weekend. Uh, we have a long list of, of things uh, to go over with the Oscars. The first thing that I wanted to go over, though, and this kind of ties back to our original debut show, was the Oscars So White controversy that kind of has been plaguing like a cloud over the head of the Oscars. It's the first time, now I am a loyal Entertainment Weekly subscriber. Love the magazine. I think it's uh, from top to bottom, not the music section so much. The music section, um, you know, they, they really don't know what they're talking about half the time. They're, they're, I, I have the feeling they're a bunch of 20, 30-year-old, um, you know, hipsters who, uh, who just, you know, take drugs and, and like to uh, go 
do some techno raves. Nothing wrong with that, but not my kind of not my kind of brand of music. They seem to differ when it comes to that. But I digress. The magazine for years now has consistently covered the Oscars. Consistently covered it, and I and I don't mean just they have you know one or two things on it. They have at least two to three cover stories on the Oscars. And why not? Oscars is a huge uh, following. It's a huge uh, newsmaker. It's a huge ratings event. It's an extravaganza. First time in, I would say, I don't know, I've been a subscriber since 2006. They did not do a cover story on the Oscars. And the obvious explanation is the controversy, the Oscars so white, the whitewashing of Hollywood that has gone on for two years straight. No um, people of color nominated in either the acting or the directing, uh, any of the major categories. We touched upon it in the first episode. You can download our podcast recaps um, on iTunes. You can go to iTunes and type in Secrets of the Sire, and you can get that entire um, recap on what we kind of approached with that. But what I wanted to bring up now was one movie that was nominated that's actually kind of the anomaly when it comes to the Oscar noms this year. Something that just shocked me when I first heard that it got nominated, and the more and more I go into it, um, it makes it even more exciting to see that this movie's there. And the movie we're talking about is Mad Max. Now, Mad Max, first of all, is a franchise. That's one of the things that is, is kind of interesting that it gets nominated. Not only did it get nominated as a franchise, but it also, it's a sci-fi franchise too. And so two things that Oscars, you know, the Academy just always seems to neglect when it comes to the, to the Oscars. Now, The Martian is in there also as a Best Picture uh, nomination. Someone had pointed that out. Um, but the thing that makes Mad Max kind of compelling to see what's going to happen is it also has a Best Director in uh, George Miller as he's nominated and as best picture there's a lot of talk that it's going to win so for years go back to the dark knight returns go back to um christopher nolan's batman trilogy for years oscar does not give the love to sci-fi to pop culture to popcorn movies in a sense and it's a complaint that they've been hearing for years now and brooklyn is a great example of this right so, Brooklyn is a movie, I, I didn't even know it existed, I don't think anybody knew it existed, and somehow uh, there's major acting categories that are up for it. I'm sure they're fantastic in the movie, I'm sure that it's a great movie, and we'll, we'll uh, get a little feedback from, uh, via Entertainment Weekly, on Brooklyn, because quite frankly, I don't know anything about it. I don't think anybody knows anything about it. Somehow, every year, there's an art house flick there's an artsy flick, there's something, and look, nothing wrong with it, I mean, look, art should be celebrated, uh, true art should be celebrated, but for the most part, Oscars always seems to kind of turn its nose to sci-fi, to action-adventure, to, and I use that Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy as a great example, to movies that, yes, on the surface are comic book-related movies, or, you know, again, sci-fi-related movies, something where you have a cult following, something where it's pop culture related, and say, well, you can't have something that's, that's a cult following and pop culture related and still be a deep movie that, that does a lot of great things. I think the last time 
anything of that magnitude got nominated and won was Lord of the Rings. And that's going back, I mean, we're going back about 15 years now almost. And even that was kind of funny because I thought the first Lord of the Rings was the most amazing thing I had ever seen when it came out. And, and you know, we're going back to a time when CGI was just starting to become what it is today. Uh, so don't, you know, don't mistake that with saying, well, the CGI is not as good as it is today. Well, because back then it was, it was groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking, awe-inspiring filmmaking. And it took till the third installment of the movie to actually get any Oscar love, which was kind of a travesty. But it was also very typical of what the Academy does. So to see Mad Max there as one of the nominated films was actually, to me, shocking. Now, I'm not a Mad Max person. I'm going to confess right up front. I enjoyed, um, you know, the Mel Gibson movies in the 80s, but I never got around to seeing any of the Mad Max films. So I was not an authority on it. I was also not somebody who... Uh, you know, clamored to have this movie franchise come back, you know, in my mind when I first heard about it. Okay, they're rebooting another film. It's another example of Hollywood not, you know, coming up with anything original. That being said, the man behind the reboot was the man who actually brought the films to life to begin with, which was George Miller. So there was some, you know, kind of excitement, some sort of anticipation, some sort of buildup to this film. My wife and I did manage to take it in on a Saturday night. And it was something of a surprise to me. I actually watched it. I watched the entire, you know, we watched it. No expectations. You know, a complete clean slate, which actually makes me a very impartial viewer. We talked last week about Deadpool, and we've talked about Deadpool over the weeks and how it has a cult following, and that can either hurt or help a film. Mad Max, while it does have a cult following, it doesn't have an extensive cult following. Um, It's something that came out, you know, again, 20, 30 years ago. Um, so a reboot in this sense is not going to offend anybody, but having George Miller behind it was, it was definitely a plus. My wife and I watched it and we thought it was amazing. We really did. Was it best picture quality? I, you know, quite frankly, I don't know. Um, it's not something I actually watched saying, boy, this is the best film of the year, but man, what an impressive visual feat. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, there's a guy shredding on a guitar during a giant car chase. There's pole vaulters, there's flames, it's a post-apocalyptic world, and it's got Tom Hardy in replacing uh, Mel Gibson in the title role. Awesome film, really awesome. Also kind of an anomalous film. Something that is very much case in point for the Oscar So White controversy. And what do I mean by that? All white cast... People have been complaining that the movies being made are not, there's no roles for minorities. There's no roles for, um, you know, diverse roles, I guess, with people of color, people of different nationalities. Or they're getting pigeonholed in atypical, you know, um, roles that, that, you know, best suit, well, this is going to be the hip-hop role, or this is going to be, you know, the the Chinese Asian role, um, whereas white actors and actresses get their pick of any role. I mean, you even have uh, Ralph Fiennes starring as Michael Jackson in a new movie, Cup Coming. Yes, Sam is actually looking at me saying, how is that possible? Uh, To be fair, Michael Jackson was very, very white by the time he was done, but I digress again. So Mad Max actually fits exactly the bill they're talking about. It's a white director. It's a white cast. So this is exactly what everyone's kind of been talking about. But on the flip side of that, You look at Mad Max 
And it's got something that nothing, no other movie, I think, out there in the best picture category, in the best director category, has. And that is Imperator Furiosa. Furiosa. My, my speech is a little off. Furiosa, played by Charlize Theron. One of the best characters to grace the screen. One of the most feminist characters without being a public service announcement, without being a, hey, look at me, without being a statement from the director, transforms this movie and actually makes it an argument against the fact that there's no diversity in Hollywood. So when we come back, I'm going to dive into Furiosa. We're going to dive into the character that actually transforms this movie from being just your typical action-adventure movie into something transformative, into something we've never quite seen. And we're going to get some uh, viewer comments as well that people commented on the blog. Every Wednesday we do a blog. kind of leads up to the show a little bit. So you can go to Secrets of the Sire, S-E-C-R-E-T-S-O-F. T-H-E-S-I-R-E dot com and check it out. You can still comment on it. Coming up also, we're going to do Oscar picks. I'm going to tell you who's going to win, who's going to lose, and we're going to shift gears by the end, and I have a little bone to pick with Chris Carter and the X-Files. Secrets of the Sire, when we come back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire, broadcasting live on TalkingAlternative.com. We are also broadcasting live on YouNow.com. So check us out on that. We're talking Oscars. We're talking uh, Mad Mad Max and uh, some really, really great stuff. So we are going to go live again on on, uh, Twitter facebook youtube underscores it's basically michael underscore dolce and you can get us um talking oscars so sam actually brought up a really great point we were talking about mad max we were talking about um the fact that there it is both the argument for and against diversity 
And Sam, my engineer, actually had a great point. Thunderdome, the most popular Mad Max uh, installation so far, is, you know, had a person of color in Tina Turner starring in the movie. So, again, the Mad Max franchise actually has roots that contradict the, you know, argument that there's no diversity. When people define diversity, is it automatically just people of color? Is that automatically what it should be? Because that's what a lot of people say. But meanwhile, you have a character in Furiosa, played by Charlize Theron, who is the epitome of diverse. We had a lot of great comments on the blog, and one from Fiona Leonard from Australia actually wrote in, she had some really great insights, so I'm going to read you a little bit here. What makes Furiosa so fabulous is not just that she's a woman, but that she's a woman with a disability, something no one in the film makes any reference to. She's missing an arm. She has a prosthetic arm, so for the most part, she's actually able to work around that. Um, But she does have a disability, and that's something that we don't actually talk about, so that's great point number one. Second... She also breaks the female mold in that she starts off strong. She already has the respect of her all-male crew. She's not a woman who simply rises to the occasion in the face of adversity. She's already rescued the wives before the movie even started. There's a plan, and she's in charge. Beyond all that, how fabulous would it be to wake up on Monday and see the men's rights activists' hearts palpitating about a Mad Max win? So I'm going to break this down for a couple things. First of all, spot-on observations. I think that's a great take. Uh, The disability angle is one, but also the fact that she is already a strong woman with a plan, and she's basically the star of the movie. Tom Hardy, for all intents and purposes, takes a side, uh, you know, takes a cameo role for the most part. He is, he's locked up. If you look at the blog, I got a great image of him uh, where he's basically got the mask on. He's, He's almost in chains for the majority of the first half of the film, and Furiosa is the star. Tom Hardy is the catalyst that gets him across, that gets her across, that actually gets her plans of action, you know, into, you know, moves the film along and, and, and overcomes the challenges. But for the most part, it's Furiosa's movie, and Mad Max is kind of just a spectator. He's kind of just a, a participant, a, will, a willing, sometimes unwilling participant, a good guy who's helping out, but not necessarily a guy that's... Um, the central focal point of the movie. I want to give a shout out to all my Periscope peeps for a moment too. I'm going to actually be taking your comments, so please send them in as we broadcast. Sirius Fox getting some poopy hearts. I don't know why it's poopy colored, but it is. Uh, so we're going to address some of your guys' comments as well too uh, over the next in the next segment as well. But getting back to Fiona's comment, which I thought was was really great. Men as a whole love strong women. I, I think I'm I'm use the term men in quotes. I use it as a, look, it's a generalization. I'm not saying every man out there. I'm sure there's some old school uh, 1950s Republican type guys who want their women in the kitchen, cooking them food. Uh, they want to be the, the man out there earning the living. Look, it's a valid point of view as well, too. It's an, it's an older generation point of view. It's an old school point of view. It might not be relevant anymore, but it's a point of view. I'm speaking for myself, and I'm generalizing all men as me. So one of the things that they, that men love in a strong woman, though, is exactly what Fiona said, though. She's a strong woman who already has an agenda, already has a lead. She is actually an ultimate sex symbol in that sense. 
She's someone that I personally would look at and want to be around. I'd gravitate toward her if I was in the scenario of the movie or if I was even just taking her, the spirit of her character and putting it in other movies or putting it in real life. I mean, that's a woman you can respect. And getting a respect of a male counterpart is actually one of the biggest challenges women face in every walk of life right now. So in that regard, I think that's spot on and an awesome, awesome uh, observation. The one thing I do notice, and, and what makes this observation really, really resonate to me, take Deadpool, take James Bond. There are, it's a prerequisite now to have a strong female woman in the role. Take Rey from Star Wars. She is, the, she is the star of Star Wars. There's no question about it. But like Fiona points out, every single one of these women that I just pointed out, uh, we're talking about uh, Morena uh, Baccarin in uh, Deadpool, her character, they are all characters who have to rise up. They have to become strong. They're not strong to begin with. They're actually, you know, whereas male characters tend to always come out as strong. Now, don't get me wrong. There's coming-of-age stories. There's different things. Uh, Deadpool has an origin in a sense. But he walks into that movie as a badass. Now, he does notice uh, Marina Baccarin's character is a lot like him, and she is kind of strong, but she's still getting kidnapped. She's still falling for the, the prototypical scenario that happens in movies where she's in an alleyway and gets suckered into being kidnapped by, uh, you know, the bad guy. You know, the bad guy has a woman as a sidekick as well, and that sidekick, yeah, she's strong and she's empowered. Uh, that, that term's a great term, empowered. She's still the one that gets... Kidnapped in the end, and the, the woman is still playing the sidekick role. Completely different than Mad Max, where Furiosa is the, is the, the central point of that movie and establishes that from scene one. James Bond, same thing. It is a prerequisite. He rescues... Well, okay, actually, James Bond has a little more of the old school in it. If you guys saw uh, Spectre recently, he does rescue... A, an heiress to a drug lord um, takes advantage of her. Nah, I, 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 I won't go that far. He does what James Bond does. He seduces her. She's a willing participant. So in that regard, there's still the old school, you know, male on top, female, you know, submissive. But then there's also the real female lead in the role in, in the movie. Who again? She has spunk. She has fire. She has, I am not, you know, I'm not just some woman you're going to, you know, take advantage of. I am, I am someone that's going to rise up and, and again, is kind of presented with those scenarios as the movie kind of goes along. So, in that regard, it's, it's almost become cliche. In fact, the James Bond heiress is the exception now rather than the rule. And it's almost, I mean, it... it if you watch anything on TV, in movies today, you are seeing this, it's almost become cliche. It's a composite now of what a strong female should be, or not, there is not a single woman on TV that should be submissive to a man. Now, I'm not saying they should be, I'm, I'm not arguing for the case for or against, it's more or less how people are writing women now. It's almost become a prerequisite that they rise up, like Fiona had said, rather than you know, kind of already establish it. You never look at Furiosa in Mad Max and say, this is a feminist statement. This is a feminist movie. This is just a kick-ass character who happens to be a woman. I think Star Wars comes close to it. I think, I think Rey in Star Wars is actually um, 
she transcends the typical female role as well. And we got a Periscope comment. Women should stand up for themselves, but I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman. Depending on a good man that they love. Okay, we're going to get into that in the next segment because I think that's a great point of view from uh, at Sirius Fox. You can have women in love. You can have women dependent on a man. I mean, again, it's all about character. I think what I'm trying to say is it's more or less about a composite rather than a character. It's about a statement rather than a true individual. Uh, I belong to a writer's group, actually, and um, one of the writers in that, uh, in that group, her name is Alex Purcell. We, I've been reviewing one of her screenplays that she's been kind enough to share with us. Fiona is actually also in that group, which give a shout out to them all. Christina Fry as well. And she, and my first comment to Alex when I read her screenplay, and obviously you guys don't have this in front of you, so you don't know, but you'll take my word for it, was that all the characters seem natural. They seem real. They're, they're real people. So if they have flaws, they have flaws. Um, if they have you know strengths, they have strengths, but they, they come across as natural and real. Furiosa comes across as a natural, real strong female character representing the diversity that Oscars So White is trying to propel forward into the mainstream. And she does it without being a pamphlet. She does it without being a, you know, uh, at the end of a G.I. Joe every every month, if you every week, if you guys watch the G.I. Joe cartoon, you know, The More You Know or on, on NBC or, you know, you know, that kind of thing. No one wants a PSA. Uh, it kind of goes back to our original argument when we talked about Oscars So White. No one wants to be sold to. Everyone wants to buy. We want to buy strong female characters. We want to buy strong, diverse characters. We want to buy all this stuff. I think the, the audience has proven time and again that they want to buy this kind of stuff. So, Fiona, thank you for your comment. I think that's fantastic. Lastly, I want to bring up one more point, and then we're going to go to break. And then we'll be back right after again. Uh, the one thing that's interesting when it comes to Mad Max as an Oscar contender, it is a giant freaking car chase. The entire movie is just one giant car chase. Like, how cool is that that the Academy actually recognized a movie that's just one giant car chase? There's no, I, I mean, look, there's, yes, there's, there's deep compelling character moments. There's deep reflections on what they're trying to accomplish there are goals there are challenges but at the end of the day there is a dude shredding his guitar where on top of a flaming truck where pole vaulters are pole vaulting back and forth across the desert in a post-apocalyptic earth how freaking cool is that the other thing that's interesting you know it's amazing to me george miller actually does something really amazing in this movie too and he's getting recognized for it uh it's it's the point where he's making something that you know on the surface could easily be a characterization could easily be a popcorn movie and is making something deeper and Mad max just might win if you go to our twitter poll got about 15 minutes left go to at michael underscore dolce m-i-c-h-a-e-l underscore it's not the dash it's the underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C is in cat, E. Which Oscars 2016 nominated film is going to win Best Picture? Currently, we have Mad Max, The Revenant, The Big Short, and Spotlight up there. We'll give you the results, but you got time. If you go there, you can uh, check it out and you can vote. Go to our Secrets of the Sire Facebook page. Give us a like. 
and shoot in some comments. Go to our blog, secretsofthesire.com. Shoot me in your comments. When we come back, we're going to touch upon some of the Periscope peeps in the comments there. We're going to talk to uh, some you now people as well. So, see you soon. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Well, then you have come to the right place because The Rob and Callie Show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone, and now we're bringing it to the radio. So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 8.30 on talkradio.myc. And that's Eastern Standard Time, so join us. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. I want to clue you guys in on a couple things. One, Sam actually brought up a really good point. Um, all the music on the show is actually original stuff by a band I was in. I, was, I did the band scene for you know, a good 10, 12 years, New York City band scene. It's a band called AGO, Always Getting Older, which actually is a very true statement. And uh, if you like it, you can go check out my Spotify page. I'll, I'll put some links up. I haven't really touched that in a long time. But... Um, but yeah, it's always good to hear that, and it's actually got a good thing, uh, good good vibe to it. Sam says the last song that we came into should be the soundtrack to a, a comic book movie. I will take that money. I, 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 am, I will shamelessly, shamelessly license this out. I got four other bandmates who uh, would feel the exact same way. We'll get into, we're going to do an all-music episode at some point uh, later in, um, in the year, too, because mixing one thing we found also, mixing the music with the, with the pop culture kind of... It was too. It was too split. It was too. It was it put us in two different sections. So got some great Periscope peeps. Got some you now people. A new person is watching you now. I got to figure out. So believe you me, I have no idea how to use it. Uh, I, I'm as technology savvy as it comes. I design websites. I design mobile apps. Um, but even you know, for me, technology there's still a learning curve that goes along with that. So Periscope peep though. Appreciate Sirius Fox chiming in. Please, all Periscope peeps, Maria Faria, if you could chime in with your comments, this is the time to do it. Sirius Fox said, oh, Periscope is very unfriendly, Sirius Fox just said, but she's been getting in some comments, so I'm going to address those. Men need to take back their masculinity. They are becoming far too feminine themselves. It's actually a very interesting point, right? Um, I have a friend of mine. We were out, about, we were out and about at a, uh, at a happy hour in New York City. And um, we, we were talking about this. He's actually single. He's, he's, he, he was married. But he's finding that the roles that male and females, 
males and females play have completely reversed themselves. And I, and I couldn't agree more. I think it's almost gotten to a point where some men who are out there, especially in their 30s, I think 30s is, is so I'm in my 30s. Something that's interesting about our generation uh, that we're, we're the in-between generation. We can still remember dial phone, you know, dialing phones that were not cell phones, uh, rotary phones. We can still remember a time when the internet didn't exist. We can still remember, I mean, we were the in-between transition generation. Anybody born, I'd say, well, anybody born 2000 and, and, and beyond has no conception of what life without a cell phone is like. Anybody born from 2000 and beyond has no conception of what, I mean, we had dial-up. We had the ee sound, you know, when you're trying to log on. Um, so anybody, you know, I was born in the cusp of, of that millennial generation. So we were a generation in transition. Case in point, in the 90s when I was in high school, you had to respect, I mean, the, the message of the 90s, the PC message, which, mind you, still relevant to today, it's amazingly enough, and I, and I love getting to the politics of this because I could talk for hours on this. In the 90s, you had to respect women. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone was talking about respect, but I mean, every major rock group, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, they would all talk about, you know, women's rights to choose, women's rights, men need to, you know, men are evil, men are bad, Joss Whedon, Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we need strong female protagonists. Uh, we need women to take back the night. We need women to assert themselves. We need men to realize that they are not the dominant masculine force that they were in the 50s and 60s. They need to be more uh, emotional. They need to be more compassionate. And in the dating world, my God, it was, it was a completely different thing. And then Britney Spears hit in 97. Christina Aguilera hit in 97. And the tide slowly changed from that you know, respect women, respect everything to women now overtly demonstrating their sexuality. They call it empowerment. And it's, and it's, a, it's an interesting thing. So female empowerment now has kind of taken on an, a, a life of its own. Now, you know, whereas you might have gotten lambasted by classmates if you were slutty, if you were sexual, if you were overt with what you wanted, you know, that has completely shifted uh, we, I dated a girl in, in the 2000s where, you know, we got together, we hooked up, and then the next day, I called her, and she's like, oh, no, 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 I don't want a boyfriend. And, and all of a sudden, I looked at the phone, and I'm like, did I just, I, I'm now the woman. How did this happen? I, I, you know, my training is, you make sure that you are as, you know, you respect, you call back the next day, you, you make sure you show interest, you know. And meanwhile, this woman's like, no, 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 it, it was cool, we were, we were totally cool, um, but, you know, don't, you know, I, I'm not looking for anything serious right now. I was floored. I was absolutely floored. I mean, this, is, this, was, this was the game changer for me where I realized it's not the same anymore. So, Sirius Fox, it's actually a great point. Um, Tom Hardy actually is almost a great representation of that, isn't he? You know, he's definitely somebody who... Um, you know, definitely represents this, this, um, takes a back seat almost, right? He almost takes a back seat to it. So, kind of, kind of kooky, kind of crazy. Uh, one comment in Entertainment Weekly that I wanted to address too, which I thought was, was really, was really something. 
they do a poll as to who they think is going to win, and one of the the screenwriter, if you look at it, they have an actor, an actress, a screenwriter, a director, a publicist, and a producer all kind of chime in on you know who should win and why. And this is what he had to say about George Miller: Mad Max Fury Road had more cinematic gusto than just about all the others put together. It was wild and willing to fail, even though it didn't, which is especially notable in a world in which so few directors these days take aesthetic risks of any kind. I thought that was pretty pretty poignant. It was a pretty good example. Honestly, don't know who's going to win. Don't know who's going to win. It could go either way. But I'm going to give you my picks now. So this is our Oscars 2016 picks. In the best actor category, that one's pretty much a wash, isn't it? I mean, that one's not a wash. That one's pretty much decided. It's, it's Leo DiCaprio. He's definitely going to win that one. I don't think there's any argument for any of the other actors. Maybe Eddie Redmayne. Maybe Matt Damon, because he took the best comedy Golden Globe somehow. I don't know how the Martians are comedy, but he was very witty, so that's got to be comedy. But no, that one's, that one's pretty much a lock, DiCaprio. Best actress... Again, everyone's kind of talking about Brie Larson in The Room. I haven't seen The Room, but apparently her performance was, you know, out of this world. So I would say, yes, and we have, uh, why can't DiCaprio get an Oscar? He deserves at least three. I agree. That's another reason why he's going to win. It's the, um, uh, what do you call, the effect of of earning it after a while, the Julianne Moore effect, you know, of, you know, he's due. He is, he's definitely due. So I would definitely say DiCaprio... I think Larson's going to take it. I don't think those categories are kind of up for anything. Another category which I love, Sly, Stallone, Best Supporting Actor. I think that one's pretty much a lock as well. Everyone's kind of saluting him. It's amazing the fact that, yeah, Sam is, Sam is kind of incredulous to the fact that he's going to win. But he apparently, you know, resurrected, the Cre- you know uh, resurrected his character for Creed. Came back, was very, very vulnerable. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's been out there for a while, so too bad. Um, the character is suffering from an, uh, you know, a life-threatening illness. And Stallone himself, as I read, was very hesitant to show that side of Rocky. He didn't want to show him as a vulnerable man, but that vulnerability, it's like a little convincing from what I read, is now the reason he's going to end up taking an Oscar. And a lot of people you know, kind of saying what we did about um, DiCaprio... The Academy kind of feels like they might have goofed not giving him the Oscar originally in Rocky. I know the picture won it, but not uh, uh, Stallone himself. So that's a great kind of full circle moment for Sly Stallone. I'm waiting for Harrison Ford to eventually get that moment too where he kind of gets up there and gets recognized. So it'll be very, very interesting to see. Best Supporting Actress. I'm going to go with Kate Winslet. I think that she's just really stunning. She's very... She's just a tremendous actress, so I think I think she's going to end up nabbing that role, uh, nabbing the Oscar for that. There is a lot of competition in that. Rooney Mara, supposedly. Rooney Mara is a fantastic actress. Uh, she was in the, the Dragon Tattoo, uh, the girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She was just, I mean, she was just really something. The Mara family, you know, it, I just recently interviewed Sean Lennon for AM New York, and Sean Lennon's the son of John Lennon. And if you haven't checked out his music, he's, he's in a band called The Ghosts. Uh, the Ghost of a Sabretooth Tiger. And he's also doing some stuff with uh, with Les Claypool from Primus that's coming out. You know, he's a guy also where you're kind of born into, uh, you know, music royalty or you're born into some sort of wealth or royalty. And 
the Maras are the daughters of, you know, Rooney Mara, the owner of the uh, Giants. And they're both, you know, significantly talented actresses, though. They earn everything they're getting up there. Like, you definitely watch Rooney Mara. Kate Mara, unfortunately, was in the awful Fantastic Four reboot. She's got to pick better roles, but she's also a fantastic actress. She was in House of Cards. So there is some competition. Alicia Vikander, the Danish girl, supposedly also. Rachel McAdams in Spotlight. Rachel McAdams was the one bright spot of last season's True Detective. We'll, we'll jump over to TV after this is over, but when I get through our nominations here. Best Director, I would love to see Adam McKay win it. Anchorman is one of my favorite movies of all time. Adam McKay was the director of that, and he's made that jump from, you know, farcical comedy director now to the big time with the big short. So I'm going to put my money on him, and, and it's probably not going to win, but I'd love to see him win. Um, I think, um, you know, Alejandro Iritu, um, who did uh, The Revenant, is probably going to take it, but man, I would love to see Adam McKay win it with the big short. And then we come to Best Picture. Now, one of the things for Best Picture 2, let's talk about the movie Brooklyn real quick. Who, who saw this movie? Who saw this movie? We had uh, Arlene Meltzer actually comment on our blog um, that, you know, she found that the blog very interesting to read, but at the same time, she only saw three of the nominated pictures so far, Bridge of Spies, Spotlight, and The Big Short. So I don't want to say which nominated picture should win. The problem with the Oscars is they, you know, they have 10 spots. They don't pick movies that people watch. You know, the last time I think the Oscars, you know, best picture had any kind of gravity toward it was like when Titanic was up for best picture or Lord of the Rings was up for best picture. You know, just because a movie has that art house quality to it doesn't automatically mean it's going to win uh, or doesn't even mean it should be up there. I mean, I guess these are great movies, but quite frankly, I think part of being the best picture of the year is that people should have saw it. People should have actually seen the movie. It should have been in a movie theater. I didn't even know Brooklyn was a movie. I just thought they were talking about Brooklyn uh, because Brooklyn's very trendy right now. It's a very, it's a hipster uh, utopia. So, Bridge of Spies, Tom Hanks, you know, Tom Hanks is, uh, he, he kind of um, suffers from the problem that he's so darn good that he's now taken for grand, com granted of completely. Um, at the end of the day, though, I'm going to put my hat in the ring for Mad Max. So there you have it. Those are our Oscar picks. Appreciate all the feedback. We're going to do a, a slight detour. I'm going to post a Twitter on this right now. Um, oh, and our Twitter poll. I'll give you our Twitter poll results when we come back. But I got a bone to pick with Chris Carter of the X-Files. I got a real bone to pick with him. I thought the X-Files reboot was amazing, but he's got to go. So when we come back. <coughs> You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. 
Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We're wrapping up another hour. I'm fired up tonight. See, it, I, it's, I'm so fired up I said tonight instead of today. See, that's just how fired up I am. Secrets of the Sire, brought to you by Sports Tech. They're our official sponsor for the month of February. If you'd like to become a sponsor, go to the secretsofthesire.com webpage. Click become a sponsor. We've got some packages. Uh, we've got some contact info. You can give us a, a, a holler. Uh, we are slowly taking over the world. So... Get on the train now. Sports Tech, proud sponsor of Secrets of the Sire. Unlock your golf game through the ultimate hands-free golf tool that can tell you everything you need to know to lower your score and improve your swing. Want to hear more? Visit their page at gofundme.com slash sports tech. Also want to announce, we kind of announced it last week, but I want to bring it up again, the, the guys from Bad Coyote Funky. Awesome, awesome nerd blog called Bad Coyote Funky. You will remember that name, Bad Coyote Funky. Uh, they are... Talking about the same stuff we're doing. Uh, comics, gaming, movies, TV shows. Check them out uh, for everything you actually care about without the saturated fat of news fluff at badcoyotefunky.com. We're going to be doing a joint podcast slash live broadcast on talkingalternative.com March 24th and 25th. Uh, I'll be joining their podcast the Thursday night, the 24th. They will be joining me in studio the 25th. We're going to be tackling Superman versus Batman, Dawn of Justice. That comes out that weekend. We're also going to be talking about movie trailers that give away the entire freaking movie before you see it. What is the point? Why did I need to know Doomsday was going to be in that movie? It's Superman versus Batman. We'll continue on the 25th, so check us out there. And a shout-out to Rockland Music for helping us out with the wires and cords to hook up the Periscope to the live feed. Uh, my Periscope peeps, I want to thank all of them for chiming in. Sirius Fox especially for commenting. Thank you. She uh, gave me some hearts for mentioning her on air, but quite frankly, I enjoy the interaction, so please you know, continue to do so. You can check us out at Michael underscore Dolce. All right, real quick. X-Files got rebooted. I was a tremendous X-Files fan all through the 90s. Loved it. It was, it was must-watch. I actually got into it a little bit later. I got into it about season three or so. Uh, quickly, you know, watched all, bought the, the, well, back then it was VHS. I bought the VHS tapes back then, and then eventually the DVDs. Um, it was back on Netflix. I ended up spending a summer rewatching it. It was just, it was, it was one of my favorite TV shows. And I got the reboot. The reboot, I guess it's not even a reboot. It's more like a relaunch. A kind of a neat trend that's happening in the industry now is that uh, all of these former actors and actresses who kind of need the work can kind of get back into the saddle. It's amazing. Duchovny back in the, in the 2000s, he wanted out so bad from X-Files because he wanted to be a movie star. That didn't pan out. Now he's 
chomping at the bit to do more X-Files, and why not? He was amazing. Gillian Anderson was amazing. I actually enjoyed Joel McHale's role. Um, he was a recurring guest star. They had um, Stephen Amell's brother. I think it was, what was his name? Rob Amell, uh, or maybe it's Stephen Amell, was, was a guest on there. Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under was a, was a recurring character as well. They were kind of like the young Mulder and Scully. Awesome six-episode run. Except for the two episodes that Chris Carter did. Chris Carter, creator of the X-Files, hung on, first of all, he hung on to season nine when he should have just let go. I, look, don't get me wrong. I don't want to spend anybody's, anybody's money. I don't want to reach into anybody's wallet. I don't want to take money out from, the, from his wallet. I, look, believe you me. I'm all about, you go out there, Fox is like, come back for another season. We'll give you a bazillion dollars to do it. We need you. Great. Great. I understand. Still shouldn't have done it. He ended the X-Files in season 8. Now, a lot of people complained about season 8 because Mulder was only in half the, half the season and it had the whole Scully pregnancy. But I got to be honest, that was one of the best seasons that they had had because the way they ended up tying it up very nicely at the end, they had Mulder and Scully's baby. You learn that it is actually Mulder and Scully's baby. You learn that the whole did they, will they, won't they has actually been happening for the, for, you know, the majority of the time off camera, which is, which is great. It's something you don't typically see. You typically see the Sam and Diane from Cheers, the Ross and Rachel. Uh, you, you get to witness the entire relationship. Here you actually get to see the culmination of the relationship and now fill in the blanks going backwards. Should have ended it right there. Okay, took the money, came out with season nine. Season nine made absolutely no sense. Season finale was kind of like, eh, whatever. It was a series finale. Smoking Man gets blown up. Great. You know, we'll move on with our lives and, and just kind of disregard that last season. Come back in season 10. Now, Sam disagrees with me, but I actually love the episode written by Darren Morgan. Darren Morgan is a veteran X-Files writer. He wrote some of my favorite episodes, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Uh, he wrote the one with um, Peter Boyle, who could tell you when you're going to die. Um, he actually even tied in, in the reboot, references to those episodes. Um, he introduced Scully's dog, Queequog. So... Awesome, awesome episode all around. It had the twist. Uh, I won't spoil it for anybody who's going to binge watch the, the, the show, but episode, I believe it's episode three. Yeah, I want to say episode three. Awesome, awesome reboot. I thought the Trash Man episode was, was good. It was kind of like an X-Files episode. It just felt like an X-Files episode, so it you know, didn't move me left or right, but it, but it was good. The stuff with Scully and her baby I thought was actually great, and whatever happened to William, William would be 15 years old now. Uh, he'd be, you know, where is he? Is he hiding? Is he not? Awesome stuff. The first episode, though, basically said, okay, I'm, I'm Chris Carter. I'm going to come and rewrite everything you guys know about X-Files. Okay, I can, I can deal with it. I can deal with it. I watched it twice. I processed it. Okay, fine. Uh, he's, he's, you know, and the show, they originally said the world was going to end in 2012. Obviously, it's 2016. The show is still on the air. Uh, it, it didn't, the world didn't end. I get it. I get the rewrite. Okay, I'm on board. Then that season finale comes out. First of all, we haven't even gotten a confirmation that X-Files is coming back, and he ended on a cliffhanger. Second, he set into motion, I don't know, this, this like worldwide epidemic out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. All of a sudden, it was like, watch episode one, look at four or five episodes, in, or four episodes in between that deal with Scully and her baby and William and everything like that, but don't even worry about... You know, this epidemic, and then episode six, everyone's sick. 
Everyone's dying. The world is coming to an end. And it ends, I'm sorry again for spoiling this, but it ends with a, with a UFO landing where Scully and Mulder are on the bridge. The world is on the brink. It's like, dude, take it easy. Like, seriously, you are, you, you, you've set up a storyline where we're trying to find out what happens to Scully's baby and where he is now. And that's great. And I, and I, I love it. You don't have to go from that to the end of the world and end of the cliffhanger. We don't even know if you're coming back. Ugh. Killing me. Want to thank all my Periscope people today as well, too. We got more and more as we're talking about X-Files. Maybe we'll devote a show to X-Files. Uh, next week, we're actually going to be talking. Well, you know, and we'll see. It's always in flux, but I've got some guests coming on next week. We're going to talk about new media next week. New media is a, a great thing. Um digital comics versus print comics you know how a comic book store can is is slowly being phased out but how they can survive um talking about again print versus digital i actually love digital comics uh i love twitch tv we're going to try to hopefully launch our twitch tv um platform next week as well gamers people watching video gamers that's an entire industry we're going to talk about how people are making money and 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 doing creative things for a living 15 years ago, you, you couldn't possibly do. You couldn't even po you, know, you couldn't possibly do. We're going to have some guests on as well talking about it. Um, so we're going to cover the gamut of all new media and how people, you know, have gone from being, uh, you know, again, if I wanted to make comics back in the day, the amount of effort I would have had to put in to, to, to get there, and now you can just be a star. We're going to have um, some quotes from Atlas Genius. They're the uh, band that uh, released the song Trojans. And Sam, see, this is what Sam does great. Here's our poll results. The Revenant is the winner. People um, in our voting on the Twitter poll says The Revenant, 83%. They think that's going to win Best Picture. 0% for Mad Max. That's too bad. I hope it wins. Um, but again, next week, I'm really excited. We're going to have Atlas Genius. We're going to have just a, just a couple quotes from Atlas Genius because uh, they're a great example of... A, of they're a bunch of 17-year-olds in Australia who put a song up on Spotify... And now are touring the world as a major band because of something they kind of fooled around with in their basement and just had garage band and put stuff up. I mean, it's amazing. You have video gamers watching, you know, video gamers who are making millions and millions of dollars simply doing that. Um, it's, it's really incredible. And uh, we're going to hope to get a couple comic book guests starting out with their new comics as well and talking about the digital platform and talking about all that stuff. So coming up next, we got J.C. Maldonado, 21st Century Entrepreneur. We also have her co his co-host, Joan Pelzer, who unfortunately has to call in. I wanted her take on the Oscars. She was an actress uh, in New York City for a long time. Uh, I want to thank all my Periscope peeps, Sirius Fox, keep commenting. Anybody else who commented, I'm going to be doing a weekly Periscope wrap-up show Hoping to do it tomorrow. Um, I'll be tweeting it out, so check out the uh, Facebook page. Check out the Twitter page. Again, my Twitter handle is at Michael underscore Dolce. M-I-C-H-A-E-L underscore D-O-L-C-E. You can also go to the Secrets of the Sire Facebook page. Now, the Secrets of the Sire Facebook page has been gaining likes like crazy. I appreciate everybody who has been liking the page and commenting and interacting uh, quite honestly, I enjoy doing this show much more when you guys 
are telling me what you like and what you don't like. So, again, we put a new blog out every Wednesday. Kind of leads up to the show. The Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern is the show. You can stream us live on you now. You can see us on YouTube. You can check us out on the unfriendly, uh, user-friendly, sorry, the user-friendly Periscope app. And you can chime in. You know, write to me on Facebook. Write to me on Twitter. Twitter's a great way to get, um, you know, your voice heard as well, too. And then check out the website, secretsofthesire.com, and learn how you can become a sponsor. Check out all the awesome stuff that we have up there. This is your host, Michael Dolce, signing off for another week. I was actually pretty darn awake, considering I just had a kid last week. It's not bad. Not bad at all. This is TalkingAlternative.com, Secrets of the Sire. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant, and I am here to answer your questions and bring you experts in all areas of life to raise your awareness and support you in your evolution. Tune in at my new time, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on www.talkradio.nyc. That's Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.